Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Dental Water Cooler series for the ultimate patient experience. I'm David Moffat, your host. I'm uh, a retired dentist from Sydney, Australia, and uh, this is the first uh, program uh, monthly of the series uh, on how to build uh, a great dental practice, relying mainly on customer service and so reducing your outspend on marketing because it's about keeping patients that you attain as opposed to just attaining more and more patients, not treating them correctly. So I'm having a conversation this evening with whoever um, logs in. Uh, at the moment, I'm talking to Noren and uh, we're talking about how to build the dental practice of your dreams without having to spend an extra penny on marketing. So good evening, Naren. Thank you, Dr. Moffat. I do have a lot of questions uh, for you. So um, let me start out by asking you, what, what do you mean by the ultimate patient experience? Well, I think every patient has an experience when they go to the dentist. And sometimes as dentists, we forget what people are feeling, even people who are very strong and positive in their behaviors. Um, we forget that uh, people are quite anxious about dentistry. There's a, there's a lot of the unknown involved in dentistry, Naren, and um, that unknown, you know, I feel it when I go to the, the dentist and I, I know what's going on, but I can't see what's going on. I know the order of things that uh, have to be done to me, but all I can really see is the light. I can listen to the music. I can maybe watch a movie. Uh, I can hear conversations, I can see movement around me or, or motion, but I can't actually see, even see the instruments going in and out of my mouth. And, and I know what they're doing. So if I take that back to then the average person in the street, it really is a fearful uh, sort of process. What are they going to do? How much is it going to cost me? Is it going to hurt when they do it? Is it going to hurt after they do it? Uh, is it that bad that I need to get it done? All of these things are going through people's minds. What we as dentists tend to forget is that we tend to think it's like doing a jigsaw puzzle. We tip out the box, we put all the pieces together, we finish the jigsaw puzzle, leave it on the table, go and show a lot of people how good we are at doing the jigsaw puzzle and, uh, and that's it. But we forget about that there's a human being attached to these processes with a lot of thought that, thoughts that are going through their mind. So what are they experiencing? If we just treat it as uh, a line at the post office, a line to go and pay your taxes, uh, there's no experience involved in that. And sometimes we do that in dentistry. We start to get so mechanical with our own processes in our dental office that we forget that there's actually a human being there worried about uh, what's going to happen to them, not knowing what has happened to them. And then at the end of the, um, the appointment, they, they don't know what's happened to them. They can't see it. It's inside their mouth. And most of the time, they've got to come back for more. And they don't really have a justification. They can't see what the next thing's going to be. They still look the same on the outside, except maybe they might have a droopy face. They look in their wallet and they notice that they're, you know, they're short a few hundred dollars. Um, it's quite bizarre. Uh, yeah, we've, we've, got to, we've got to make the doing of the dentistry secondary to the experience of being at the dentist. And so that's what we tried to do in my practice was to give people a, a reason or multiple reasons for wanting to come and wanting to keep coming. And it's not that, you know, if you don't do this, your tooth is going to blow up, it's going to hurt and I'm going to rip your tooth out. It's, you know, they're my friends. I like to see my friends. They look after me. They care about me. They ask about me. They are uh, really nice people there. I enjoy their company. And while I'm there, I'm getting my teeth done. And men are worse at, at this because men don't really have these relationships out there in the marketplace with vendors, retailers, things like that. Women have these relationships. You know, talk to women about who does their nails. You know, same lady does my wife's nails for 20-something years. 20-something years seeing the same lady to do the nails. Every second Tuesday, getting my nails done. 
I said, you could get your nails done closer to home. My wife says, no, I've got to go to Karen. My wife travels 40 minutes across town to get a hair done every five or six weeks. I said, you should go to my guy around the corner. He's, he, 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 his salon does a lot of people like you. It's only five minutes away. No, no. And, and so we've got to, why can't we transpose that relationship into dentistry to build, um, to make it an experience, to make it like catching up with, it, with good friends. Oh, and by the way, I had my teeth done. That's, that's what we're talking about. We're, 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 we're lifting the patient out of the physical of the dentistry and into the experience of the visit to our office. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I'm starting to get it, but uh, I think you need to help me more. Okay. Uh, so, so when you say uh, there's a human being in the, in the middle of this and uh, the stuff, the, the, the mechanical or, 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 the, or the scientific side of dentistry, like, you know, uh, you know, working on implants or adding a crown, all that is uh, not the reason why people come back. They come back because they have a friend they like to go see. They come back because they like the way you make them feel. Is that what I'm getting at? Yeah, it, it is. Um, yeah, I had people used to come and see me and travel a long way, you know, across town in the traffic, uh, uh, you know, from rural areas into the city of Sydney. Um, yeah, and, and I'd always marvel that these people were driving past many other dental offices to come and see me. Uh, sometimes it was a whole journey out. My longest ever patient, um, you know, who I saw for, for 28 or 29 years, he, you know, I'm in Sydney. He would travel from uh, two hours north of Sydney where he lived. Then he got a transfer to Darwin. He'd come every six months to get his teeth checked and cleaned by me from Darwin. You know, that's, that, that's like traveling from um, Boise, Idaho to Miami. It's a long way. It's a heck of a long way to go and get your teeth done when you're flying across land that's got a lot of dentists, you know, and there are dentists in Darwin. Uh, and, and it was because of that relationship. You know, I'd always done his teeth. I'd always looked after him. Um, he had no reason to to change the care was always there he had he had um we'd built this mutual respect uh we respected him for coming we always you know enjoyed catching up with him and uh, and he with us as well so you know we tend to forget sometimes you know one of my clients one of my coaching clients was telling me he had five dental hygienists in his office, just built a new office, five dental hygienists, that's five patients every hour checking out. Guess what? He only had three receptionists and three uh, FPOS terminals to process those five people checking out. So what he was getting, what he'd created was a bottleneck at, the, at his dental office every hour of people leaving because he also had people being treated for, for restorative by the two dentists. So he actually had seven people every hour leaving and only three people to check them out. Now, now in, Again, talk, talk to your wife, talk to women you know. Look at yourself. Have you ever been in a queue uh, or a line at a, at, a, at a checkout at a store and you thought, this line's not moving, and you just dropped the, the goods that you are going to buy and walked out because you couldn't wait? You know, that's the scenario that he was creating in his office. He delivered the, the process. He was expecting them to pay, but he was making them line up to give him the money that he required for doing the work. I think, you know, you, we've got to look at that process. Can we make that process of handing over the money be supplementary? Have, can we have enough people there? So in a one-on-one -on -one situation of handing over the money, most, again, most dental officers, where do, the, where do they hand over the money? They have, a, they have a, a public area and an upstand and the money's handed over at the, at the front counter. You know, the more progressive ones have private offices where, where, where you have a, an appointment scheduler uh, scheduling the appointments. But is it a, a matter of fact process or is it more a conversational process? We endeavoured to create a conversational process so that the talking about the fees, what was done, what's going to be done next time was just, oh, whatever it is, you know. Oh, yeah. I, I know, I know what, roughly what it's going to be. 
um, that was the relationship that we had with our with our patients was that you know it, it was it was all part of the process so people would finish their treatment but they might still be in the office for another 45 to 60 minutes still chatting it, 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 it was really truly a different place to go to get your teeth done yeah i think i'm really starting to understand so what you're saying is this gentleman who flew across you know, across, I mean, and to come and see you, he came because he trusted you, the person and your team. He knew you guys had his back. Exactly. He felt safe. He felt taken care of. And he enjoyed the people he was coming to see every six months. That's correct. So it, was, yes. it was worth it for him to take the time and the money and go past hundreds of dentists to come see you but but 20 how, how long did he come and see you for a long time 28 years wow and in fact naren he was he was a patient of mine before i bought that office he was he was a patient of mine when i used to work you know seven miles away um and he he switched to follow with me because you know we built up a relationship when i was working as an employed dentist and so, you know, he, he, he carried on being seen by me at my new office and then for another, you know, 28 years at my new office. So you're pointing to something very interesting. Do you feel, I know you had a very successful practice. Do you feel this ultimate patient experience is the number one reason you were successful? Well, I think it certainly was a point of differentiation, Naren, because in my location, you know, in the part of Sydney where I was working, it 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 wasn't a high-end part of Sydney. You know, it was it was an average part of town. You know, people drove average cars, they had average jobs, lived in average-sized houses, they earned average incomes, and yet we were able to build a successful practice where our the fees that we charged were significantly higher than the average dentist because we were providing an ultimate patient experience. We, 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 we you know, it, it, it was, it was a place where people went for exceptional care. And so, you know, in my town, in, in my, you know, chamber of commerce business meetings, people would, often come to me and they'd say, you know, you're, you're the go-to dentist. When people come to us and say, who should I go to, to the dentist? Um, they say, well, you've got to go, you've got to go to active dental. You've got to go and see David Moffat. Uh, they say it's not, it's not cheap, but it's worth it. And that's how I wanted to be known. I want to be known that this was the place to go. If you wanted to be looked after. Now you have to back that up with doing, good dentistry you know your dentistry has to last it has to not fail and it has to not hurt but those are mandatory things that every dentist should be doing but it's the associated uh, experience that people have so now I, I can remember once you know walking through my my client lounge and there was a new patient uh out there uh being concierged um into the practice and he was saying he was there with uh, with his partner, his wife or girlfriend, I'm not sure who. And he passed the comment, um, you know, to our uh, office manager who was looking after him. He said, he said, I can't believe how how different this place is. He said, he said this not only is this not what I expected from a dentist. He said this is different from all other businesses that I go to. Now this person hadn't even met the dentist yet. He hadn't even met me. But his experience of what he'd experienced leading up to that point to make that remark was showing that he was receiving an exceptional amount of attention in getting to that point compared to what he would expect from a dentist or what he would expect from becoming a customer at any new business. And right. it's easy to do. It's just a matter of, building your processes and making sure that your processes are, are enacted and implemented. 
right? I think you're finding, you use some interesting words. You use the word human beings. Uh, you didn't say people, you didn't say, you know, patients, you call them human beings. So I'm guessing, again, I want you to explain what you mean by that. I guess, are you pointing to these people have feelings, thoughts, desires, perceptions? And, and one of the biggest feelings is that they want to feel taken care of. They want to feel that you care about them. You're exactly, you're exactly right. And so we, we tended to not use collective nouns like patients. Um, in fact, I steered well away from that. I always felt that patients were people who went to hospitals to get better. And in right. dentistry, we're looking after people who are primarily healthy and maintaining health. A lot of dentistry is preventive, you know, maintaining their, their oral hygiene, maintaining the status of the work that we've done. So the, the term patient implies, you know, inpatient. It implies somebody, you know, going to have an operation. So we thought they're not really patients. They are more clients or customers. They are customers because they're paying for an experience. But instead of collectively um, labeling them as people, you know, that, that tends to you know, give you a picture of a crowd. You know, if you say there are people, you would think, you know, a number, a crowd, a small group. You know, I, I wanted to think of them as what, what, are, what are they individually? Well, individually, they're, they're, different, they're different people. They're, so they're, they're a collection of persons. They're a collection of human beings. Every, every human being is, is different. Every human being has a different thought pattern. Um, they, they may ar- arrive at similar outcomes and results when they think, but the, the processes they go through will be different. But you, you raised a very, uh, a very uh, valid point there at the end of your question, Naren, and it comes down to a, a phrase that uh, Mary Kay Ash used to say, and that is that, that everybody out there is walking around with an invisible sign around their neck that says, make me feel important. And th- this was this was the, the the driving statement in my my business was that we need to make each and every visitor to our dental practice feel important. We've got to make them feel valued, understood, welcomed, and we've got to make them feel important. Because if they feel inferior. And a lot of dentists do this subliminally, unconsciously. Yeah, I'm the superior dentist. I know what I'm doing. Yeah, let me tell you how to do a filling. And they, you know, they, they give instruction on, on what they're going to do. Bore the pants off their, off their, off their, their patient, their customer, their, their client. That, you know, the dental patient doesn't want to know that. The dental patient wants to know what it's going to look like in the end. It's like buying a car. You don't really want to know how the how the how the petrol you know gets from the tank to the wheels to make the car go faster. You just want to know what you look like behind the wheel of that car, how you feel in that car, what your friends are going to say when you park that car out the front of their place. And and sometimes we forget that it's about that person feeling important. Valuing them, thanking you, thanking them, going through the processes of welcoming, welcoming them into the office, welcoming them to the dental operatory, to the dental chair, thanking them at the dental chair, thanking them during the dental process, during the procedure, checking in with them during the procedure, making sure that everything's going okay, checking them out with certain specific questions which they think are tailored or they don't even think they're tailored. They think they're just directed straight at them, but they're, they're specially crafted questions that are made to feel individual to each and every visitor to your practice. But if you don't ask those questions, then, then 
you know, the patient, the client, the, the customer doesn't get to feel that experience. We used to go through and think of questions we could ask where we knew that the patient, that the, 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 the client would answer in the negative. But the value was in asking the question as opposed to never asking the question. Have I lost you on that one? No, no, no. I think I think uh, I'm still kind of thinking about the word human being. Yes. And uh, so I think so. I'm being right. I'm being, and I'm being human. What does it mean, being human? I guess human, in my mind, is somebody who has thoughts, feelings. somebody who has fears, somebody who has biases. Maybe I had a bad experience with the dentist who I thought was trying to only sell me stuff. Right? Now I'm coming in with that bias, coming in with that fear. Oh, I don't know what I'm getting into. I don't know if this guy really cares about me or is he just going to sell me stuff? Right? I'm coming in with all these things, anxieties, concerns, worries. Maybe I had a bad day. Maybe uh, I had a fight with my wife or husband. Right? And I'm coming in with that. So you're saying, if you don't treat them like a human being, an individual, somebody with feelings, thoughts, desires, struggles, challenges, and you treat them like a patient, patient is kind of a thing you work on, right? You totally miss that bond that relationship that trust they have in you and doesn't matter how great you are like your skills your whatever but if they don't feel that you value them as a person like as a human being like you know it's like a like a relationship a husband and a wife right if, if your wife doesn't feel you you value them as a person you care for them then it really doesn't matter how big your house looks like you exactly right Exactly. And, and so what are the connections that uh, a new patient to a dental practice is looking for? Um, you know, when they come in, they want to be welcomed. They want, there are certain things in their mind that they... And when they you say they, you mean you're, pre you're pretending it's you, right? Like yes. if you are coming into a practice, yep. what would make you feel important? Is that what you're saying? Exactly. So having somebody ready to greet you, knowing that you're arriving, knowing who you are. So Naren, you, you make an appointment to come to my office at two o'clock. I already know that information since you've made that appointment. I know that at two o'clock on Tuesday, somebody who I've never met before is going to walk in that door and tell me that their name is Noreen and they're here for an appointment. So I'm going to be waiting for somebody different to walk in the door. And so when they walk in the door, I'm going to be there ready to greet them. I'm going to be ready to greet you. And I'm going to say, hi, you must be Noreen. I'm Jane. I've, I spoke to you on the phone. Welcome to Active Dental. Now, you're not ready for that sort of greeting. You're anticipating that you're going to walk in. You're going to have to ring a bell. Somebody's going to appear from somewhere behind a desk, around a corner, through a door. They're going to say, hello. They're going to ask you who you are, even though they know who you are because you've already told them when you made the appointment. Then they're going to give you a clipboard to fill in some information. Why, why would you not use the information that you already have gathered in advance to create an impression that your office had been expecting your visit? So that was simple. We, you know, we, we've got the play sheet. We know who's coming in. We know what time they're coming in. And we know that if somebody turns up at that time, 
who looks like they're going to fit the description of somebody that we've spoken to on the phone, there's a good chance that we can ask them or assume that they are who they are or who we're, who we're expecting. And that's a, that's a point of difference straight from the start. What about a sign that at the front of your office that says, welcome Naren. Oh, wow. Active Dental. You walk in the door and there's a sign there that says, Welcome, Naren, to Active Dental. Welcome, Naren. Welcome, Julie, to Active Dental. I think we have uh, somebody by the name of Edwin here. Edwin, if you want to ask any questions. Hi, Edwin. I'm David. Welcome to the water cooler chat. Hi. How are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? tuning in from oh i'm in st albert alberta canada oh hello what's the time there 8 30 uh 6 30 6 30 okay all right so you're in you're in central time yep good how was your day oh great i didn't know i was be joining something here i, was, I thought i was just be watching yeah <laughs> we've, we've got you we've got you uh, we've got you in on the on the process so uh We've been discussing how to create a, a point of difference in your practice in terms of service to your patients. So tell me about your office and uh, what you're trying to achieve and, and what you're hoping, what sort of information you're, you're hoping to uh, gather from, uh, from our time together this evening. Oh, um, I've got a pretty busy practice of we're three dentists. Uh, I'm the main owner. And two associates and uh, five hygienists. Um, pretty busy, not looking for new patients. Really, we're uh, pretty pretty steady that way. Just trying to uh, get more efficient, uh, get better customer service, um, and do more um, more profitable procedures. I guess. That's a that's a very nice. Uh way to be five hygienists that's a that's a, a very it means you've got a very active patient base a large yeah. patient base of uh, of trusted patients who who value the treatment that you do for them three dentists is that three dentists every day so you would have you'd have 10 operatories or more in that that facility yeah 10 operatories yeah there you go um and what hours are you open? Uh, seven to seven, Monday to Thursday, and then uh, eight to four, eight to four on Fridays, and one Saturday a month. Okay, that's great. How many um, how many dental front office people do you have dealing with those those patients as they enter and exit your practice? Uh, three to four front end people. Okay, so uh, and how many patients would come on any particular day to the practice? So Monday to Thursday. On one day? Yes. Uh, well, I have counted them probably, I'd say 40, 50, 40 to 50 in one day. Okay, so, um, so five hygienists, not five hygienists a day then? No, uh, three would be working one day. Okay. Every day. Yeah. So they're kind of so rotating that, through. Yeah. So three, three hygienists, two dentists a day, that's 10 patients a day. That's a good, that's a, a, a nice steady flow. Very good yeah. flow. All right. So are you turning new patients away? Uh, I'm not accepting new patients for myself uh, without two referrals, but the two other, two other associates are taking new patients. Okay. Wow. That's I'm kind one. of, it's a different situation. My, my business partner for 30 years, uh, he passed away last year. Yes. So it, uh, threw a lot more work on my, on my plate. So that's why I'm not taking new patients. I've got you. How long do you anticipate that you'll keep working? Myself, probably five or six years. All right. And, um, and the, the associates, are they younger than you? The, you do, have you? Uh, one's, 
up been out for four years. So she's yes. been working for four years. Uh, so she's 28 or so. And the other guy is about my age, but he, uh, he had his own practice and he sold it and he just wants to work as associate again for another five or six years. That's his plan. <clears throat> okay. All right. So there's still a, um, an accession plan that needs to be put into place for you um, so that you can transition out of the, out of the practice successfully. Yeah, I've got a son in second year dental school as well. Oh, there's your answer. Yeah, problem solved. What a nice, what a, what a great father you are. What a, what a very pleasant, pleasant thing to be able to gift him, or uh, or at least offer him at a, at at some at good terms. Yeah, I wouldn't be gifting it. I never, yeah. I never agree in free things. <laughs> never seems to work. <laughs> you should have a wife like mine. Oh, my my children seem to get everything for nothing. So, <laughs> but anyway, no, I don't. Have, I don't have a son as a as a, a dentist. How can I help you in terms of? Uh, and thank you for joining. This is this is our first uh, water cooler session, and we've got about twelve minutes left. How can I? Um, how can I help you? Is there anything in particular that you think uh, could be improved in? in your um in your practice eric thanks for joining us i'll see you there um <clears throat> well i do have a practice management person right now uh, that i'm working with so we're changing a lot of things in terms of uh <clears throat> yeah the practice uh, in terms of uh, how we are dealing with people how we're presenting treatment um getting the hygienist involved in uh taking intraoral pictures on every patient and showing them problems before we get in the room. Um, so we're in the process of that kind of better customer service. Uh, also bringing the patients up to the front and explaining what we talked about to the receptionist in front of the patients. So they're hearing it again um, a second time, our, our, our findings. Um, so yeah, it's a process we're going through to try and um, get better in terms of you know getting them to commit to to treatment. Sounds like you've hired somebody who's read my book. Uh, <laughs> I read your book last year, actually. Too. Yeah, that, 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 those were those were uh, two of my my key things for success was the uh, the hygienist being the trusted first uh, point of contact, and and so the hygienist being being um, um, thought of by the patient as being an independent person presenting uh, a, an open diagnosis of what needs to be done and then the dentist coming in and confirming that treatment as opposed to in a lot of practices hygienists were just there to clean teeth and then the dentist would uh, would arrive and diagnose uh, cold and and so the 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 acceptance of treatment was less when the dentist did it the second way than in the first case where, as you said, the hygienist takes the photos, presents information to the patient, says they're going to point, you know, I'm going to point this out to Dr. Edwin. The patient says, what do you think he's going to do? The, the hygienist can offer uh, what she thinks will be what you're going to do, which is often what you will do. Um, and so the, the treatment is already accepted before you come in to, to view the, the, the pathology, which is really good. The second thing that you're doing very successfully is, um, is not relying on technology to transfer information to the front for the patient's uh, departure and verbally handing over the patient so that the patient's hearing the information for the second or third time. They're hearing it during the appointment, they're hearing it at the end of the appointment in the operatory, but then they're being they're getting that information again. And it's like, uh, and, and Naren and I were talking about this before you joined the call. Um, it's, it's building uh, the relationship. The more they hear the information, the more times they hear the information, the more accepting they're going to be of that information. Uh, so that the, the handover or the handoff at the end of the, the, the appointment at the front desk is, is a, a choreographed uh, process of making sure that the patient understands, accepts and schedules 
the necessary treatment that we have diagnosed and presented to them. And we're not selling them anything that doesn't need to be done. What we're doing is making sure they get done what needs to be done because we, you know, the, 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 the tragedy of most dental offices is they under present because they under transfer and they therefore end up with people by, you know, leaving the office with work that needs to be done that never gets done. And that creates a time bomb effect in your community becomes an emergency that comes back to haunt you at the most inopportune moment. And I've, I've seen, I've seen specialist dental practices where the patient turns up at the front desk and the, 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 the person there says, well, let's just see what comes up on the computer. Well, there's, I watched and watched and watched and patients you know, in a specialist office walking out with, I've got to think about it, I've got to talk to my husband, don't know what I'm doing that day. And, and, and the opportunity is, is lost because the preparation hasn't been, um, the preparation in diagnosing, presenting and, you know, closing is what it is. We have to make sure that they accept the treatment because it's in their best interest to get it done before it gets worse. And so it sounds to me like you're, 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 you're definitely on the right track in terms of the improvements you're making in your office. And if these then flow on to your um, junior associates, they will, they, or future purchases of your practice, you know, down the track, they will be, be buying a, a very successfully, um, run and uh, practice with a with a with a, with very well trained patients who know how to accept the treatment because this is how it's always being presented to them it, you're almost wishing i could uh, fix my arthritis and come and buy your practice because it sounds like you've created a very successful uh, or, or you're in the process of creating a very successful um, dental practice there yeah we're just in the process we've just been doing it for a couple months now yeah, but we're seeing a big difference already. Like the receptionists are saying, you know, people are coming up front and saying, let's book this. Whereas before they'd come up and say, what, what are we doing? What's a crown? And they'd have to explain what a crown is and all that, right? So it's much better. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that, uh, that this is happening for you and, and that you're seeing the results so, so quickly. And, and, and the, um, and I tell the story of one of my patients, uh, I hadn't even removed the mirror and the probe from her mouth. And she was saying, what do we need to do? All right, let's book it. And I still had the, yeah, I still, I, I'd found some decay on the, on the back of a premolar that was filled. And I said, you know, it's down on this margin. I said, it's really going to need, she gets, what do we need? I said, well, it's going to need a crown. She said, let's do it. And I literally still had the, 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 the probe and the mirror in my hand and I was seated over her. And, and this was because of the relationship that we had with that patient, that relationship of trust. And uh, Ren and I were talking about this beforehand. It's, it's the, when they come to your office, they, they know you, they trust you. They, they, it, it is an experience. It's not so much about what you're physically doing to them. It's the enjoyment of seeing you, you know, you've been their dentist for so long. You've, that, that you've known them as they've grown old. They've known you as, 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 well, you haven't grown old, but you, you've aged um, or, or time has passed us all. But, you know, we've shared these stories that we have this trust. So it's more, it's more than just the physical mirror probe tweezers decay story. It's the whole experience. And when they, when you have that trust and then you add in that process, as you just said, of, of, of diagnosing with pictures and diagnosing in a, in a sequential manner, that means that they get the treatment uh, you know, they schedule the treatment and have it, have it completed as it's diagnosed rather than think about it, wait for it to get worse. Nothing worse than seeing a dentist and, and, and the patient says, I know you told me this was going to happen. And the dentist says, I know I told you. And, and it's much worse. And you think if only they had, had done the treatment when it had first been seen, you know, the, the cusp would be under the crown instead of the crown trying to hold on to missing two. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. It's, it, yeah, yeah, your, exactly. your life is getting so much easier um, because of, of, of this, uh, of this uh, new way of, uh, of just sequencing the, the processes that need to be done. And, and, and they trust you. They want, uh, 
because you've built that trust. They, they, they know you have their best interests at heart and they want to get the work done. And Naren and I were talking about this. Sometimes as dentists, we forget that the, one, the number one thing that patients want is they don't want things to get worse in their mouths. They, they, they certainly don't want things. They want to know what's got to be done. And, you know, a lot of dentists don't tell it or they tell it so late in the appointment that the patient starts, uh, you know, uh, they don't feel the trust. And so by presenting it early and having the hygienist do it independently, you've, you've, you've created a perfect scenario for improving case acceptance and treatment acceptance. Yeah, definitely, definitely, uh, um, creating a successful uh, dental office there, Edwin. I'm, I'm proud of you. Very well done. Thank you for, for uh, saying that you read my book last year too. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad it's so dear. So thank you. Yeah, I was interested in taking your course, but you're always uh, in New York or something, right? That's where you've had a couple of courses. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't get to Canada too much. Um, uh, either New York or, or Dallas uh, are the places that, uh, that I tend to fly into. And, um, you know, unfortunately the U S is not as populated over your side and up towards your border either. So yeah. I, tend, I tend to go to the more populous parts and, uh, Dallas is good. It's, you know, it's just one flight from Sydney to Dallas and, yeah. uh, maybe in the next few years, I think, uh, Qantas is really trying to work on fuel economy to get across to New York in one go. So we'll just have to see. But, I think um, you're planning to do a uh, kind of a mastermind, right? Like a virtual mastermind at some point. Maybe. I am. I am so now. So I'm just just working on the logistics of that for uh, sometime next year. Right. So that means he doesn't have to travel. You don't have to travel. You guys can see each other and you know work with each other at some point. Yes. So these these sort of arrangements with with Zoom are, are very very good in those um, in those sort of situations. It's also lining up the times, Edwin. Um, yeah. But you know this this is a good time I, for me working with with uh, Mountain Time and uh, and West Coast Time is is much easier, especially as you pass into winter next next month and turn your clocks back and we've now moved forward it it uh, it uh, the time difference is less it's one day more but it's it's less in terms of uh, of um, separation it's when I when I start talking to west from to the east coast um, in in our winter it's uh, it's 14 hours or 10 hours the other way so you know I'm getting up at seven in the morning and it's five in the afternoon over there. That's that, that makes life, t life tough. Every, they all want to go home and I, I really want to st still be in bed. So, uh, so uh, maybe, maybe Hawaiian time would be best now. And what do you think? <laughs> I had a question real quick. Um, Thank you. you said when you repeat uh, the suggest in a treatment plan in three different ways, it's more impactful. Is it because for human beings, when we hear three different people say it, it becomes more true for us as opposed to one person saying it? It, um, well, it, it's, it's a combination of both and, and you raise a really good point. Uh, it, uh, I don't know if I mentioned it or I was going to mention it and I, I didn't, but it's, it's like educating children. You know, if, if we tell a child to do something once, they often don't do it. If they, if they hear it a second time, there's more chance. If they hear it a third time, there's even more chance. So how can we, how can we present that in the dental office without it being, um, uh, you know, a dictatorship type situation? So the dentist saying it three times is, is, is not really as, uh, as effective as if they hear it multiple times. Now in my office, one of the interesting things that, that we used to find, you know, and my wife uh, was my receptionist towards the end of, and my office manager towards the end, scheduling appointments. And, and so the patient, and Edwin, you'd know this, the patients would just often say to, you know, your, your scheduler, they say, do I really have to get this done? And my wife would answer. And the, the, the answer that she would then want to hear the patient say, which was, off, which was always the case, the patient would always say, that's exactly what he said. 
So everybody's got to be singing from the same hymn book. Everybody's got to know the reasons why things are going to be be done. So um, in 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 my office, what what you know, I would tell the patient during the appointment, or or let's look at if it's something that's uh, that's uh, um, discovered during hygiene, they'll hear it the first time. Then the second time they hear it in hygiene, they hear the hygienist telling the dentist. Then the dentist then retells to the hygienist at the end of the discovery of, of you know of the of the examination what needs to be done and what needs to be done first. And then the hygienist then takes or the hygienist assistant then takes the patient out to the, the front area and works with the scheduler and retells the story again so that you're right they're hearing the same information but they're hearing it from everybody they know everybody's attuned to to the 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 treatment everybody's attuned to the condition um now i know that some dental professionals hygienists um uh get a bit uh funny and say you know i'm not really allowed to diagnose but, um, but you know, I, I had shoulder replacement um, a few years ago, and uh, and so I had to have an ultrasound and X-rays, and I can remember going in and, and as soon as the, the the radiographer put the the scope on my shoulder, the first thing she said, she says, "Gee, you've been giving that shoulder some work." Now she's not really allowed to say that, but she can tell by looking at the image that that's not a brand new healthy shoulder it's a it's a it's a it's a it's an arthritic joint same with ultrasounds you know you, you take your wife along or 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 whoever you know your daughter you know for an ultrasound the radiographer is not allowed to say what they can see but they know what they're looking for because if they don't present and take the correct images the radiologist is going to ask them to do it again and it's more radiation so they know so your hygienists know what decay looks like they know what um what um bad margins look like on restorations they know what cracks look like and i always used to ask my my hygienist you know have you ever seen something that needed to be done and then the dentist came in and didn't see it and the patient went out and didn't get it done because it hadn't been presented they go yes i said how do you feel about that they say felt terrible and so I said, well, what I want you to tell me is everything that you see that you think needs attention. That's your role. I will then confirm with you whether that's what we're going to do, whether we're going to do something more or whether we're going to do something different. And with time, it becomes like Torval and Dean. You know, Torval, which one? Jane, Jane Torval. She used to fly through the air. She didn't say, I'm going to jump now. And he'd go, well, I'm going to stand over here and catch you. They knew what they were going to do. They, was, they were synergistic. And so that's how your hygiene exam should be. It should be, it should be an efficient passing on of information. And the benefit to the hygienist is that you're, the dentist is actually in there for less time because he's just confirming what the hygienist has, has seen. And so the hygienist has more time to clean the teeth, which is what they love to do. So there's, there's multiple benefits. It shortens the amount of time that dentist actually needs to be in there because he's often only really, you know, if they're working, if you've got a very thorough hygienist who can see everything and present everything, areas of concern, there's, there's less time needed for the dentist. It's very beneficial. So I think, Edwin, you, you're really on the right page. Edwin might invite you to do the next um, water cooler. <laughs> uh, still, uh, still a work in process. Well, I, I look forward to you joining, um, joining us uh, in uh, a month's time for, for the next um, chat. Uh, we're going to wind this one up just a fraction early because I, I have another webinar to go to on the hour. So uh, okay. thank you very much for, for joining us. Um, and uh, if you, you can watch the replay back to some of the things, some of the questions that uh, Noreen was asking me beforehand, really appreciate you joining us and um, good luck with your practice. And if you've got any questions, just fire them off to me. Uh, in the meantime, anyway, happy to help. But it sounds like you're getting really great help from your, um, your consultant. So 
uh, you know, take I take my hat off to you and to them for for not only um, finding a good way of doing it, but putting implementing the processes that that uh, will create a uh, uh, a better practice for you, better practice for your patient, and better results for for both. So congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So thanks, Noreen, also for joining me on the uh, on the the water cooler and it's been a, a pleasure presenting this for the, the first time. And uh, I think we could probably even talk on this subject again down the track. We really only did scratch the surface, didn't we? Yeah. And I think there's like seven or eight others, I guess they have been quiet today. Maybe next time they can jump in and ask questions. Sure. Yeah. Well, Sounds like somebody's got a microphone going in the background. So, Noren, I'll um, I'll sign off uh, now. Thank thank you again. Thank you, Edwin, for thank you. Doing that. I, I don't know if you caught. We had a, a, a big uh, downpour and thunderstorm here uh, during the middle of the call. About the time you joined, Edwin, it became very dark outside. Oh. A couple of claps of thunder in the distance. But uh, but uh, we're getting some good rain and and and. We don't need it where I am, but we do need it on our farmlands um, to create some growth. I heard a farmer on the radio this morning saying that um, half an inch of rain creates an inch of grass. And, um, and he was also explaining the difference between how cattle eat grass and how sheep eat grass. And, and also we have kangaroos, which are, are vermin down here. So the kangaroos and the sheep, they can get the grass. They can get, they get right down to the dirt, but the cattle only get, get down to, to a, to about an inch so you really need long grass for the you know to grow for the for the cattle to be able to um, grow the beef that that's needed so um mm -hmm. yeah uh, droughts are no fun so i'm i'm hoping this rain's coming down a little bit west of here anyway that's the weather report <laughs> today <laughs> thank thanks thanks edwin good to chat with you um okay, Naren, thank you very much and um I'll end the meeting now, Naren, and um, and uh, we'll chat again for sure. Edwin, appreciate you okay. joining us. And Eric, you thank you as well, and those others as well. All the best, everyone. Thank you.